Hello and welcome to Mobile Interactions Now, the podcast where industry pros share firsthand experiences on making mobile interactions work. I'm Chris and I'm part of the team here at Tintech. On today's episode, we're joined by Phil Heltevig. Phil is the CEO and co-founder of Cognigy. Cognigy is one of the global leaders in conversational AI. In fact, their Cognigy.ai platform is one of the leading solutions for building automated cognitive bots. Phil talked with Gene about conversational AI and how it's reshaping how brands interact with customers in light of the current pandemic. So here is part one of our conversation with Phil. Take it away, Gene. Phil, welcome to the show. We gave a, a little intro in the beginning, but I'm sure our audience would love to hear from you directly. So can you just tell us briefly who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks for uh, for having me on the show. My name is Phil. I'm one of the two co-founders of Cognigy AI, which is a conversational AI platform. And uh, we're here today to talk a little bit more about conversational automation and what we're doing. I'm thrilled to have you. And I really want to ask you, actually, um, first, are you starting to see any kind of a different um way of discussing this among your customers in terms of what um, automation in general or conversational automation um, means for some of these businesses these days because the the pandemic situation we are in? Very much so, actually. Before uh, Before the crisis, there was already a lot of enterprises looking at conversational automation, automation in general, I guess. But there was a lot of like innovation projects, trying out things. What does it even mean? Artificial intelligence, how can we apply it? And so on and so forth. And with the crisis coming about, I think the level of urgency has been massively increased, right? What we're seeing now is uh, really large enterprises around the world from pretty much any industry, you name it, transportation, financial industry, insurance, government, are now taking a serious look at these kind of automation technologies because there is a number of pressures now hitting them. Firstly, the number of customer queries has dramatically increased. Well, we're we're using the word customer here, uh, representative for customers, employees, or citizens, depending on the context that you're in. And so the number of inquiries has, uh, has increased dramatically, which put a lot of pressure on call centers or on contact centers. And on the other hand, you had the, um, the, the corona crisis and the measures that were put in by the governments empty out a large part of the contact centers as well, because of course you couldn't have a tightly packed contact center any longer where you had agents sitting next to agent, next to agent, next to agent. So you had double pressure coming in and conversational automation or automation technology in general, I think is, is looked at one of, the te- one of the technologies that can really make a difference and really helping out with these types of issues that uh, various enterprises around the world are now experiencing. I understand, Phil, that uh, conversational automation and conversation AI is just your standard vocabulary. But sometimes, um, although we have a technically inclined audience, sometimes it appears that word automation has different meaning for different people. And I think we are seeing, you know, even the potentiality of it is is vastly different now. Can you just unpack it, what it really means, and especially, and just bring it to the whole conversational aspect of it? 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, we're we're so stuck in the in this industry that that we sometimes we use all these uh, all these new terms without even thinking about them much. So what I actually did was I went to look up official definitions of these various words that we're using, and it was quite interesting what came out. Like if you if you look at the word automation, at the Merriam-Webster, it says the technique of making an apparatus, a process, or a system operate automatically. Now, of course, that brings about the question, what does automatic even mean? And automatic means working by itself with little or no direct human control, right? So in our, in our sense here, it's, it's uh, automating a process. So making a process work with little or no direct uh, human intervention. Now, there, there's many things that are automations. Like if you look at a car, for especially a self-driving car, that's also an automation, right? It, it works by itself with little or no direct human intervention. You tell it where to go, and then it goes there. At least that's the that's the vision. Now, of course, in IT, this is a little bit different. And I came across a definition by a VMware, which is IT automation is the process of creating software and systems to replace repeatable processes and reduce manual intervention. And I think this is really this is really what it is about. When we're talking about automation in the software space, it is really about identifying repeatable processes, right? Processes that don't require a lot of human creativity and ingenuity, but very repeatable processes that are carried out tens, hundreds, thousands of times in a very similar fashion. And we can automate those using software so that there is as, as little human intervention needed as necessary. Now, most of the time these days, when you talk about automation, you talk about what is called robotic process automation or RPA, right? Which is a, which is a part of automation that evolved from workflow automation. In RPA, you have so-called bots and bots they are like metaphorical robots, right? They're not really, they're not physical beings, but they're pieces of software. And um, I guess they call them bots because they act uh, autonomously and uh, they, they can do things on their own, kind of like a robot, right? So in RPA, you have these, these software robots. And the, spe the special thing is that they watch a human perform a task like, let's say your task is that every week you receive a spreadsheet with a thousand lines, which is your, uh, your stock inventory in your factories. And then you have to take this and enter it manually into an ERP system. Now, what the RPA system can do, it can watch you do this once for one row in your spreadsheet. And then you can kick off the robot and it goes off and it does it for all your thousand rows automatically within a matter of seconds. Right, it moves the mouse for you, it clicks for you, it copies and pastes. So it automates a very repeatable process because of course, entering the first line is, uh, is really no different to entering the second line in your, in your ERP. So that's what is called RPA. And this is uh, nowadays the most common type of uh, automation. Now, the thing that RPA lacks is really the interface to the customer. So RPA is mostly automation inside the enterprise, right? Whereas it, it kind of lacks the interface to the customer and that interface that we have to customers is conversational, right? We're interacting with our customers mostly in a conversational manner, whether that is in a store 
or whether that is uh, on, on an email or on the phone. And this is where, where conversational automation comes in. So conversational automation is really the next step in the automation revolution, in the revolution of automating these repeatable tasks. So we have similar capabilities as in RPA. So you, we can interface with existing systems, ERP systems, CRM systems, any kind of backend system that uh, holds customer data or data that is relevant to customers. And we add the ability to understand human language and understand human language nowadays at a very, very high precision level. And because we're mixing the automation capability with the ability to understand human language, this type of automation is actually mostly used in service automation. So that can be customer service or employee service or citizen service where those customers want quick answers uh, wherever they are. I hope that gives a bit of an overview of where we're coming from with automation and how we are progressing from workflow automation over RPA to now into the field that is called conversational automation. And it actually really does because you're kind of laying out the process that that even consumers experienced before, some form of automation. Now it's progressing and having that kind of interface and now things are getting interesting. So let me pick it up from there from end user's point of view. So now that you start having these interfaces that is you know, interacting with the human in, in the human way. Now, um, what are we really trying to accomplish that, you know, that we weren't able to do before now that this thing is happening? The goal of conversational automation is to really make it fast and frictionless for customers to interact with our enterprise. Because we live in a world now where customers or really anyone wants instant answers, right? Back when I was a kid and I wanted to know something about whatever, I had to wait for a day, then go to the library and look it up. If I want to know this something now, let's say who's the president of Zimbabwe or something like this, I can just go on Google and I find it within 20 seconds, right? So we're used to getting answers immediately, right? Anything. Hey, has a new season of X been released? Hey, uh, what's the uh, what's the sequel to this and that book that I read? We want answers immediately. We live in a much faster time than we used to live before. And I guess this expectation of being able to get answers and as such service instantly and in a frictionless fashion is also now in regards to, uh, to customer service, right? So if you, uh, if you want customer service, your expectation is that you get that instantly. Like Amazon is a good example. I don't know if you ever had to deal with Amazon's uh, customer service, which uh, I personally consider very good. If I have a problem with anything I bought on Amazon, I can get uh, someone or I can interact with someone uh, pretty much instantly, at least during, during business hours, right? That is good service. You want service fast and frictionless. Gone are the days where... I don't know, your coffee machine broke and then you had to take it to the city and then try to talk with someone about this and wait in line and it takes half the day to, to solve this. Now, what we, so the two aspects are fast and frictionless. The frictionless piece is that you can get service wherever you are and in any fashion that you want, right? And nowadays, 
what we all have is we all have device, uh, we all have apps like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger and so on and so forth. So I, I really don't want to figure out the way that the enterprise I'm dealing with is delivering service. Do I have to send them an email? Do I have to call them? Or maybe do they have a chat channel or something like this? No, I want this to be frictionless. You know what? I'm using Line Messenger. Why, why can't I just contact you on Line Messenger? So it needs to be fast and frictionless. And conversational automation does exactly that, right? It lives on these different channels like WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Line Messenger, web chat, telephony, wherever. And it understands human language. So for example, if I need a, a copy of my last mobile bill, the easiest would be to just open up WhatsApp, type, I need a copy of my last bill, send that to my operator. And pretty much instantly, I will be provided with that bill. I'm authenticated through the device already. They know who I am because of my phone number. And I'm getting provided a, a copy of my invoice. Quite honestly, I have no clue how to retrieve a copy of my last uh, mobile bill at the moment. That probably is a service offering that does that, but I don't know how it works. So again, fast and frictionless is what we're trying to achieve. And conversational automation with its ability to understand what humans are saying or writing is what really brings that about. In essence, in a way that we, you know, we're doing what we always have done, you know, getting information and, and doing these things and, and asking something to do something and, and, and all those things. But now it sounds like the examples they, uh, they're using, you know, whether it's a chat app, like WhatsApp and, and other apps, um, what is happening is 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 that side is changing as well. So it's before it was you know coupled up with the automation, the the human to human interaction, how we communicate um, has changed. Although we you know we we live in a world where just talking about yeah just what's that me the standard verb or whether you know it, it sounds very close to everyday life, but but it's it's pretty darn recent if you think about it. So I see the, the, these, you know, different technology that are uh, being developed and that converging and coming together. But but the cue is coming from the end user um, uh, way of doing things that, that they have changed how they communicate all this. Do you see this like this time? Why this is taking off so strongly is 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 it something about the readiness of both ends that is making this even more compelling? Very much so. I mean, there's two aspects that really, uh, I guess, um, influence why this is really taking off at the moment. The first one is the one that you, you mentioned. It's the ubiquity of channels, the availability of channels to actually communicate with a bot, right? 10 years ago, the only way to communicate with a bot, and most people don't know that, but chatbots already existed at that time. They weren't really good, but they existed. The only way was to go to some website and chat with them because we didn't really have chat apps on our phones, right? Whereas nowadays, everyone is carrying probably a number of communication channels with them all uh, at all times, right? So we have, like I, for example, use WhatsApp. I have that with me almost 24 seven, right? And this is something that just wasn't the case 10 or 12 years ago. So it is a lot easier to reach customers and also for customers to reach us if they need help. And that again, that, that's, the whole frictionless, uh, that, that's the whole frictionless component, right? So 
This is the first aspect, the, the, the availability of channels. The second one is, of course, the quality of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence technologies have uh, advanced significantly over the past years. Uh, almost every year we're seeing a new breakthrough when it comes to things like natural language understanding. So the ability for machines to actually decipher human language and assign meaning to the words that, uh, that um, users have written or said. And this new quality in artificial intelligence actually gives enterprises the confidence that when they deploy this type of technology, that it will increase customer satisfaction rather than be looked at as a negative by the customers. So you have two things coming together, right? You have the availability of the channels and you have artificial intelligence software now at a quality where they can perform at a human level or even sometimes better than a human. So bringing these two things together, I think are the, reason, uh, the reasons why these uh, types of automations are really taking off nowadays. Uh, I understand Cognizy um, work with the voice as well as uh, uh, you know, text-based chats and, and things of that nature. So where are we at in terms of um, the, the whole um, availability uh, versus the precision that is required? Is, is there like, uh, I, I noticed my Siri is getting a little smarter, but I don't know if it's there yet. And, 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 and is, is, a, um, is a text um, genuinely easier to decipher and, and get to a certain level? Where are we at here? When you talk about our uh, natural language understanding and uh, the technology that assigns meaning to, to human words, there is a number of technologies that have to all perform at a high uh, quality level in order for this to work. Now, if you work with chat, the human writes something and this text is then received by the AI engine and analyzed, and then a meaning is assigned to it. So for example, if I say I need a copy of my last bill, then a meaning is assigned to it that exists in the context of that bot, right? For example, um, bill request or something like that. So this is relatively easy. Now, the difficulty is that when humans write text, they make typos, or we all have fun with autocorrect sometimes, right? Sometimes the system makes a typo for us. And then uh, maybe I don't write, I need a copy of my last uh, bill, but maybe I write, uh, I need a copy of my last fill. And then the system has to be smart enough to still understand, mm, okay, this could probably still mean that they want a copy of their last bill. So that's where the artificial intelligence portion comes in um, when it comes to natural language understanding. So this is, in, this is in text. Now you deal with voice bots by putting another technology in the front end, which is called speech to text or ASR, automatic speech recognition. So this technology is again an artificial intelligence based technology. It receives a voice stream and it translates that voice stream into text. Now, the good thing is that the text that comes out is grammatically and spelling wise always correct. You cannot make typos in that text. The bad thing is that the engine could have misunderstood a word. Yeah? So for example, I, I could say, I need to update my account 
and maybe what came out was uh, I need to update uh, uh, my uh, my dear sound or something like this. So grammatically, it's correct. Uh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, though. So in order for a system to work well, you have to have all the all the different components that are in the system work well. But again, also with um, automatic speech recognition or speech to text, if you use your Siri now and you dictate something in your native tongue, I can almost guarantee that 99% of what is recognized is actually correct. Right? I'm, I'm using this all the time when I'm uh, when I quickly want to send a longer message than I just dictate it and the results are good. Now you could say, well, why doesn't my Siri, well, why isn't Siri quite there yet, as you put it? This is a philosophical question. What does quite there yet mean, right? There is two types of artificial intelligences from a philosophical perspective. There is the so-called um, um, narrow AIs. Those are AIs that can do one thing very well. So let's say I'm the bot that works at the mobile phone operator and the things I can do well are handle invoice requests, handle uh, address change requests and things like that. So like the top 10 requests that customers might have and that make up 80% of my customer service volume. Now this bot will not be able to answer uh, who's uh, Barack Obama's wife or uh, when is Donald Trump's birthday because it doesn't have to. Right. It is not there to answer these kinds of things. It is there to help you with your customer service issues that you might have uh, with that mobile phone operator. So that's a narrow AI. And then you have a more general AI. And I guess Siri and Alexa and um, uh, Google Assistant and so on, they are attempts at creating that, which is uh, an AI that you can ask uh, anything or that you can talk to about anything. Right. And for most of the conversational automations we're seeing in customer service, these are more um, narrow AIs that can do only what they're built to do in that very close domain. They cannot have a chat where you tell them something about what happened to you last Sunday and the next week they'll remember that. So, because that's not what they're made for. That's not what the type of automation is made for. Now I understand this, that the whole general assistant versus you know, somewhat very task oriented. And I think there is that whole expectation right now because, uh, you know, as, as an end user, I experience general, when it comes to voice, I, I experience general assistance more so than in a specific task. So that really crystallizes, um, you know, the experience um, I'm having at least. So um, we talked about customer service use cases a lot. And, and I think it's true where um, inside enterprises, uh, these technologies are first deployed in many cases um, in customer service first. Um, other than the fact, you know, there, uh, as a business person, we talk about reducing costs a, a lot at customer service center. But what do you think, um, is there any other reason why it tends to start there? Well, I think, I mean, you, um, you you already mentioned the main reason, right? It's ROI. And um, we now have systems at the quality level where the ROI is actually positive, as in it is much cheaper to have a conversation with a bot than it is with a human agent. So if you look at the cost of a bot conversation, if, you, if it's a text conversation, it probably sits somewhere around the 
10 to 15 cents per conversation. If it's a voice conversation, probably it's more around 30 cents. Now, if you take the average cost per call in a call center, this can be anything between five and $25, $30 fully loaded cost. Yeah, so people people don't realize the cost that these call centers actually cost, right? Imagine if you if you have a cost per call that is um, five dollars and you have one million calls a month, then we're talking about five million dollars in cost uh, just for that. Now, if you take okay, thirty cents uh, per call for a voice uh, for a voice bot call, that is three hundred thousand at one million. So you pay 300,000 instead of 5 million if you could solve all issues. And the reason why customer service use cases are the first use cases to, to looked at is because of the sheer volume of interactions that you have in that scenario. The, I mean, there's, there's several scenarios we're seeing that of course the, the one leading by a fast stretch is customer service, but you also have employee service like uh, human resources and so on. But again, let's say you're a large, uh, a large company, you might have uh, a million customers, but you only have 10,000 employees. So the volume just can't be that high. The, vo the cost of serving these uh, employees through human agents just isn't uh, as high as uh, serving your, your customers. And the second thing is that in customer service, usually you have high uh, repeatability in, in processes, right? So if you take a... Let's take you. Let's say you take this mobile phone operator. You can probably identify ten issues that people call about, and those ten issues make up eighty-five percent of all calls that are coming in. Right. So it's always very. Uh, it's always very similar. I need to upgrade my plan. Uh, I don't have reception, and this and this and that. So it's it's very similar questions that are coming in. So they are easy to um, they're easy to automate. But in general, when you when when a customer asks us and say, okay, we, we're really interested in this type of technology, how should we identify what process we should automate with conversational automation? Then we say, okay, look at what are the processes that happen the most that are well suited for automation because there are also processes that are not suited well for automation. And what's the current process cost? Then you just multiply all of that and you come out with a model and customer service is usually the clear winner in that. Now, I want to give an example for a process that can be automated very easily and a process that can not be automated very easily. Because if you just go like, okay, what are my, my most expensive processes? It doesn't mean that you can necessarily automate them. So we, we are working with a large um, uh, frozen pizza producer actually in, uh, in Germany or baking goods producer. And... Um, they have a process where people ask for which supermarket can I buy this, this and that pizza in. This is easily to automate because you just need to figure out what product is it and uh, which zip code are they in and then you can give them the, uh, the supermarkets they, uh, they can buy the, the product in if you have that data from some ERP system. So that's easy to automate, but usually these conversations also only last uh, one minute on the phone with an agent. So it's really not, you don't save that much. Now, there are other conversations that last for 20 to 30 minutes. And those are conversations that they're having with old ladies that are calling to talk about recipes for baking. Now, of course, you cannot build a bot 
to automate those, right? If you automate those with a bot, it would not increase customer satisfaction because they are probably also calling to talk about recipes, but they're also calling to call and have a chat, right? And if that is part of your, your brand image and how you position your brand, then you of course need to maintain that and don't try to automate that away, right? So again, what are your top queries? How well suited are they for automation? What is the current process cost for them? And what's the volume in general that they are happening? And when you calculate it in that way, then uh, most likely you will find use cases in customer service that are most suited for conversational automation. That is actually very clear. I mean, um, to an extent where you can actually run some cost saving per use case, actually comparing and, and, and actually getting to the analysis part where what is really worth uh, bothering with. And, and I was also curious about whether it could be, you know, it, it's availability of data perhaps because customer service happens to have, you know, we, we all have a CRM or something to, to make these bot you know, interaction is smarter. So, and, and where, you know, if you're doing uh, other, um, you know, straightforward marketing data, it may have to be, you know, someplace else. I, I wasn't sure, but, but I think that internally from enterprise point of view, just comparing use case per case in terms of uh, um, the cost related to that. And, and actually you, you mentioned some of the um, intangible things, whether that is, uh, you know, brand wise, it's important that you want it to be human-related interaction or whatnot. So it's never easy. The decision-making is never easy, but it really helps me to think that, oh, it's not just this, just a you know, one-dimensional ROI calculation. Mm. It is about taking different use cases and comparing and where it makes sense. And then, okay, does this make sense in a bigger picture? Is this something we can, you know, we should? basically automate or not so that really helps a lot there um, is a there, there is a second aspect to that which we which we haven't touched on yet me for example as a customer if i going back to this example that i want a, a copy of my uh, last mobile bill i literally don't care if i'm interacting with a human or a bot as long and whoever can get me that information quicker please help me right I really don't care. Now, there are customers who want to deal with human only, like I described earlier, right? For various reasons. Some people just don't want to deal with a the machine. They want to deal with a human. So in, in a good conversational automation solution, we always have the ability to fall back to a human operator. We don't force the human to uh, communicate with that automation. They can if they feel comfortable with it. And if they, um, if they just care about uh, quickly getting an answer, if they want to talk to a human, that ability must exist, right? I think that is a very important aspect that is sometimes overlooked when uh, enterprises come to us and say, yeah, we, we're just going to automate all of these human agents away. You say, well, that's, that's not how it works, right? You're augmenting your agent force with a conversational automation that can maybe take the pressure off so that the agents can then focus on the more difficult cases that need human interaction, human intervention, right? And this is why it's super important to always have a live chat or 
if it's on the phone, a phone-based operator solution going hand in hand with the automation that usually sits at the front end, capturing those first interactions with the customer, then deciding, can I handle that myself or do we have to hand this over to a human operator? Just a quick follow-up question because I was thinking about this whole um, interactive buttons and those different bells and whistles and, and feature sets that that somehow consumers gotten used to, you know, their web-based experiences. And, mm. and adding this um, where the natural language processing um, along with it, in terms of a friction that you talked about, sometimes I wonder, sometimes I try to type something, to talk with a chatbot and I said, can you just give me specific options that you understand, then, then I'll pick one. Sometimes I get into that mode because, because mm. you know, it's just kind of, sometimes I need a help, some kind of help to simplify my choice because I'm, not, I'm obviously not talking to a human being. Yeah. So uh, how do you think about, you know, yet augmenting all those uh, different tools that we, we created in terms of intuitive UI? I think it goes hand in hand with what we discussed earlier about uh, general artificial intelligence. There is somehow this romantic sci-fi kind of view that uh, bots have to be like us. They're like artificial beings that I can talk to and they must understand everything I'm saying and so on. But let's be realistic here. We're talking about software. We're talking about statistical algorithms that are working their magic under the hood which is what we call artificial intelligence these days. Now, these bots do not and will not understand everything a human says at this point, which can, of course, lead to frustration on the side of the user if we are forcing the user to express everything by a natural language. Now, what I'm telling the customers I'm speaking to is if you can guide the user, why not? Because again, for the user, it's about the experience being fast and frictionless. Quite honestly, if I can, if I get a menu at the start, which says, hey, how can I help you? And one of the buttons says mobile, mobile bill request. Well, I'm just going to click that. I'm not going to type into, I need a copy of my mobile bill. Or maybe I type it in a strange way and the bot doesn't get it and asks me again. Well, if I can use a button, I'm going to use it. Uh, so on the channels that are giving us those abilities like web chat, Facebook Messenger, I, I really think that we should use those types of um, little widgets that can help guide the user experience. Now, when it comes to voice interactions, it, uh, of course, becomes a lot more difficult, right? The whole thing that we call conversational design changes when you're moving to voice interactions. I'll give you an example. So say we're we're uh, we're talking to a bot um for a uh, clothing retailer and i say something like hey um show me your t-shirt specials now on a whatsapp or facebook messenger i might get pictures of the newest t-shirts and maybe on messenger i can then click yeah i want to buy this and that okay now if i have a voice interaction with that same bot and i'm calling on the phone line and i'm saying what are the t-shirt specials of course it can't show me anything right I somehow need to present that in a different way. Or maybe I, I segue onto a conversational text channel where I say, hey, I'll, I'll send you an MMS or whatever, whatever you can do, or I can send you an email with the specials, right? So 
the way that you interact with uh, with customers on a voice channel and a text channel can be very different but if the text channel gives you these kind of little aids that that can uh, that can help users uh, be guided around the experience then i think those should most definitely be used yeah i think interesting thing will happen more and more now because you know even whatsapp um, is uh, offering those uh, interactive buttons now and i think I think coming all together to reduce friction, I, I think it's definitely the direction to go. Yes, exactly. Thank you again to Phil Heltevig for joining us today. Don't forget to tune into our next episode for the conclusion of our conversation with Phil. You can find out more about Phil and Cognigy at Cognigy.com. To find out more about Gene and Tentech, visit Tentech.com. Make sure to search for Mobile Interactions Now in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Tintech, thanks for listening.